I trust that you brought the word with you today, and uh, it's possible that you may not have, and uh, so you can follow on the screen here uh, behind me when we get to the scripture. And we do have a passage today that we're going to be focusing on, uh, which is Second Samuel chapter 16, and we'll be touching on verse 13 and 14 in just a little bit. Not quite yet, because we have some other stuff that, that we want to get to in regards to the word today. And, and that's important. I love the fact that somebody said to me, Pastor, you know what I love about Mission Church? I love the fact that you stay in the word. Amen. We want to be in the word and it is the word that is our, our guiding light, so to speak. Now, some of my introducing thoughts has to do with the Apostle Paul as we continue the series of the bankrupt life, seven conditions to look out for. And so I find myself thinking about the Apostle Paul. And of course, you know, Apostle being the Apostle Paul being a missionary and then, you know, starting new churches and then writing letters to those churches and knowing that those letters have become, you know, the epistles, the books that we read in the New Testament. We, we understand that. But if we really listen to what Paul is saying as he is writing, I believe that we can hear him saying that there was a time When the enemy almost got to me. I mean, think about that for just a moment. (laughs) That there was a time the enemy almost got to me. I mean, thinking about all the beatings and the imprisonments and the shipwrecks and the incidents of ridicule and really times of just outright persecution. You can imagine, you know, in the life, I mean, in the mind of the Apostle Paul, that he likely, very likely had gotten to some point and in some places in life where he easily could have wished that he was dead. And I know that's a little bit of a bleak thought. I mean, it's a little bit dark, but I I'm wondering how many of us this morning can relate to that, can relate to, you know, the idea that life takes us to the very limit, takes us to the very edge and pushes us so far that we are just absolutely exasperated. I mean, can anybody relate to that? Because life is, it's, it's part of the experience. I, I think that's one of the reasons that we love the Apostle Paul. Paul's like a, a breath of fresh air because Paul, you know, he doesn't sugarcoat. He doesn't set a standard that's an impossible standard. I mean, Paul is a guy that has his feet on the ground and he brings us the reality that there are troubles in this world. And Paul does not shadow that. He does not shade it. He does not, you know, keep it from our vision. He, he mentions it. He talks about it. You know, the fact is there is no doubt that Paul faces opposition in life in this world. Just as we are facing opposition. How many are facing opposition right now? And sometimes opposition, it comes in different forms. Maybe we're fighting against different ideologies. Maybe, you know, we're vying for popularity or we're trying to become a part of something or belong you know, to belong a part of a particular people group. I, I remember when I was 14 years of age, my parents decided to sell the business that they had and move us from Baker City, Oregon to Nampa, Idaho. And we were in a little church of about 150 people, had about 15 teenagers. I was like 14. And then we moved to Nampa, Idaho, went to Nampa First Church. There was 2,000 people in that church and 150 teenagers. And this teenage kid, 14 years of age, making a move in the midst of high school, man, I'm telling you, you know, it was it was hard. I mean, the emotions of of belonging, it's a big it's a big deal to a young person. I mean, that was kind of the opposition that I was facing in my life at that time. And and maybe the opposition in your life is is, you know, somebody's fighting against you or they're undermining your plans, or your finances, or or maybe it has to do with climbing the, the success ladder. I don't know what it is, but we all face opposition sometimes in life. 
And sometimes that pours over into our, our, our spiritual experience or in the spiritual realm. And I think this is, this is where we make a mistake. I mean, as, as pastors and teachers, I know this, that sometimes, you see, what we do is we point to the great saints or we point to the spiritual superheroes. And we set this standard or we, we talk about how, you know, awesome the saints are and they're, they're never disheartened or, or they're always doing good or they're always being spiritual and we paint this impossible reality sometimes. And that is why we love the Apostle Paul. That is why we resonate with Paul, because Paul, you know, faced some devastating things in life. And Paul had his feet on the ground and he related to the to to the everyday person that life is sometimes a challenge. I, I like the way that a, a Greek scholar by the name of R.C.H. Linsky points it out. He says the word affliction, as Paul used it, describes a sense of pressure so intense Quote, that we became weighted down exceedingly beyond ability so that we despair of even living. And so that we despair of even living. Now, I cannot relate to that really because I've never been there. I've never been to a place where I'm despairing of living, where I want to end it all, where I'm hoping it's the end of my life. And I was moved by my wife's testimony last Sunday. I've heard it before. But man, my heart just was you know, squeezed together as I, I was listening to her emotion and, and being at that place where, where she was at the very end and she was desperate. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, life is, is is tough. And, I, and again, I can't necessarily relate, relate to what the Apostle Paul was going through because I, I, I am blessed and I enjoy my life. But maybe you can relate to what the Apostle Paul was going through. Because sometimes life is just, it, it's hard. It's like trudging through the mud. It's like, you know, being attached to a pallet of bricks, so to speak. And you notice I got a pallet of bricks up here. And, and it was not just for, you know, decoration. Obviously, it's not that very attractive. But the reality is that life, as we're trudging through the mud, it's like dragging a pallet of bricks behind us. And I don't know about you, but man, I couldn't move this pallet. That's like 1,500 pounds. And sometimes life is so hard, it's like being attached to a pallet of bricks and it's impossible to move forward because we are carrying burdens that nobody knows about. And I don't know what you're going through in life right now. I don't know what your burdens are, but I know this, that Paul was never that specific. I mean, he was not that graphic, you know, in what exactly he was Dealing with, I mean, he gave us some idea. There was a thorn in his flesh. I mean, there was beatings and persecution. And we kind of have the big picture, you know. But we really do not know specifically what Paul was being challenged with, what was causing him to be weary. And, you know, I think a lesser person than Paul would have caved in regards to his devastated condition. And, in fact, that's the fifth condition that we need to look out for If we're talking about a spiritually bankrupt life, the condition is the devastated condition because sometimes life is devastating. And the fact that Paul does not cave his testimony of his ability to restore his passion. And I think we completely miss the boat if we do not admit to having Pauline moments of despair in life. And that's not my phrase. An author coins that talking about Pauline moments of despair in life. And I think we're just kidding ourselves. If we do not admit that we we have Pauline moments of despair 
and, and life is like dragging around a, a pallet of bricks and we're just trying to move forward. But, but we're saying, man, how, how am I going to make it? How, how can I do this thing? It's the question I think that people ask. And I think the world is asking of, of those that are Christians, those that have faith. Even the media sometimes, I, I hear them kind of in an indirect way, they ask this question. How do we make sense of faith? I mean, faith in Jesus Christ. How do we make sense of faith in real life? I mean, that's a legitimate question, isn't it, Gail? How do we make sense of faith, this faith in Jesus in real life, when we're hit with things that is just absolutely devastating? I, I'll never forget the Brumfields. I don't know, Heidi... I didn't mention to you I was going to mention the Brumfields, but remember Patty Brumfield in our, our first church, and we were just young ourselves. I was like 26 or 27 years old as a lead pastor, and Heidi is maybe 22, but they were younger than us. They were about 20 years old, and they were newly married, and, and, and she was with child, and the Lord gave us the opportunity to meet them, and we met them, and we met the, the Brumfields and invited them to church, and gloriously they came to church, and they began to follow Jesus. They accepted Christ, and they began to follow Jesus, and, and uh, you know, as the months passed, and she became more and more great with child, you know, we began to prepare to celebrate, and we had the baby shower, and then finally the day came, and, and uh, we went to the hospital because the baby was born. It was a little boy, and again, we were brand new pastors, and we were excited about pastoring this new family, and so I bought a little teddy bear, and Heidi brought some flowers, and we got a babysitter for our kids. We had toddlers, and we went to the hospital, and I'll never forget being in the hospital room, and you know, the celebration of giving them the teddy bear, and and, of course, the flowers, and she had gone through a very long, um, uh, what's it called, labor. She had gone through a very long la- uh, labor. It was like maybe, you know, a 28-hour labor. I mean, it was long. And she was weary, but yet there was still this, this celebrative atmosphere. I mean, there was almost tears in the eyes because you could just, you know, almost, you know, taste the joy and the happiness that was in the air as we were celebrating the birth of this new family that was two, and now they are three. And then not many hours later, maybe six or seven hours early in the morning, I get a call from Patty. Patty is crying. And she says, Pastor, pray for our baby. There's something wrong. He's sick. He's sick. And see what happened is Patty had strep throat while she was pregnant. And when she gave birth, and so the baby had contracted strep throat. And so we went by the hospital, went by early in the morning and prayed. And I believed and I had faith and we prayed. And then I'll never forget how they sunk into deep, dark despair as the doctor came into the hospital room and told Patty and her husband that their baby had died. And I remember her welling, and I remember her crying out, and I remember the deep despair and the weight that was upon her shoulders like a pallet of bricks trying to drag this burden along and trying to make sense out of faith in real life. I think King David understood this kind of devastation. In 2 Samuel, I mentioned that, 2 Samuel chapter 16, and looking at verses 13 and 14, really preceding those verses, we begin to read of King David and his despairing situation, his, his scenario that was a terrible moment in his life because his son Absalom had turned away from him and began to usurp his authority as king. In fact, we read in Second Samuel chapter 15, verse 16, that Absalom, his son, David's son, stole the hearts of the men of Israel. And in fact, it created such a dire situation 
that the condition was that David had to flee for his life. He had to leave, you know, all that he was familiar with. He had to leave his palace. And remember, in the Orthodox Jewish faith, I mean, your day is centered around worship. And so he, he has to leave his home, the palace, and the, the temple was right beside the palace. And so he had to leave his space of worship. And he had to leave the city, his beloved city that he had rebuilt. And now he is fleeing to the desert. And then on top of that, on top of all of that, what happens as he is journeying to a safe place in the desert, a distant relative of King Saul begins to, you know, hurl insults at him and stone him and throw dirt on him. Can you imagine the devastation? In fact, go to Second Samuel, uh, looking at that passage, chapter uh, 16, beginning at verse 13. So David and his men continued along the road with Shammai, that's the distant relative of Saul, Shammai was going along the hillside opposite him, cursing as he went and throwing stones at him and showering him with dirt. So you have the image, you have the idea now, maybe the trail that Shammai was on was a little bit higher. And so he's throwing stones at him. And I imagine there were other people with Shammai. Imagine it was kind of like a movement and they're throwing stones and dirt and hurling insults at him. And you can imagine the frustration in David's heart as he's having to flee from his own son and flee from his city. And then it says here, the king and all the people with him arrived at their destination exhausted. I mean, I I don't know what you're going through in life right now, but man, I tell you what, I've been there. I've been pushed to the very brink before where I feel like I'm so exhausted. I don't know if I can put another you know, foot in front of the other. And I'm not talking about in a physical way. I mean an emotional, maybe even spiritual way. Because the enemy loves to push us to the very brink of our limits. It says that they, they renewed themselves, they refreshed themselves, and, and we really need that. I mean, because in this trip, when they completed their, their journey to the eastern wilderness, the writer writes the king and all his men were worn out when they reached the Jordan. They were worn out. And sometimes we're just flat worn out. I understand that. And what an example in in David's life, because David, his story is one of devastation. A man who was stripped of everything, and he was the epitome of weariness. And so we're reading, we're wondering, how is he going to respond and how is he going to act as we continue to, you know, look at the text and what's happening? Well, folks, what I want to say is that people pass through these sorts of experiences of devastation every day right now in this world in which we live. Go talk to a family whose children have been ripped out of their arms. Or go talk to somebody that's living on the street and they're homeless. Or a mom that has, you know, no way to provide for her children. Folks, there is devastation all around us, even now. And I understand some people, they rise to the challenge and they gather their energy and they, you know, they begin to make things happen. But man, there are folks that are trying to gather. They're trying to rise up. They're trying to make it happen. But yet there is this, there is this devastation. I look at the story of King David and, and we have to ask the question, where is the hope in the text? I mean, because when we find the hope in the text, we find the hope in the world. 
Where is their hope in the text? Well, I go to 2 Samuel chapter 22. You can look at that in a moment. And, and folks, I need to say we cannot find a more mistake-ridden and a more troubled man than King David at this point. I mean, you can imagine he was faced with devastation on every side. And his life reads like an ancient soap opera of heartbreak and disappointment. And in fact, when we think of King David, it is so similar to the life of the Apostle Paul. Listen to this. It is so similar to the life of the Apostle Paul because of all the shipwrecks and and the beatings and the persecution and all of that. But yet, you know what Paul didn't face, what David was facing is the fact that David lost his son. You see, the people came, if you read the the passage, David's people came to him and said, hey, we've killed the enemy, we defeated the enemy. And then they couldn't understand why was David reacting the way it was. I mean, he should be celebrating the, the enemy has been defeated, he's been killed. But folks, they killed his son. David sinks into a moment of even more devastation and despair because his son Absalom is killed and certainly his enemy is defeated, but yet he has lost his son. And I'm trying to imagine what that is like and how David is able to renew his strength and replenish his faith in literal terms. I mean, how did David recover? And we go to the writer here in Second Samuel chapter 22, and, 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 and we are reminded of, of, of the way that David replenishes his faith by standing upon this truth and this reality that's even more true and even more of a reality in this New Testament time. In fact, look at uh, chapter 22 there in Second Samuel, and we read this. Dave sang to the Lord the words of the song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies. And from the hand of Saul, he said, listen to this. He said, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my strong field, stronghold. He is my refuge. He is my savior. That's who Jesus Christ is. Amen. You see, there is hope in the text and that's how David found it. And there is hope in the world because folks, the promise is we have a refuge in Jesus Christ. You see, the enemy does not want you to enter the Lord's stronghold. The enemy does not want you to be freed of your burden or or of the weight that's in your life. He does not want you to be set free from your devastation. Folks, here is the good news. Jesus Christ is the burden lifter. Jesus Christ lifts our burden. He sets us free. He is our refuge. He is our stronghold. That's what Jesus Christ is to us. And I don't know if you need inspiration this morning, but man, I'm getting inspiration from the text because it's promising us that Jesus is our stronghold. And now to make this real this morning, I'm wondering, I'm wondering what it is that you have been carrying in your life. I'm wondering what is the weight that you have upon your shoulders and it might be as heavy as a child that you've been praying for. Or it might be as light and it might be as subtle as just a thought, a, a, a pervasive thought that you've been having that you know is kind of like a black cloud over your head. And you know that your spiritual passion for Christ has run dry and your tank is empty and there is this burden because your tank is empty and you need the passion of Christ in your life again. Or maybe the burden is the fact that Jesus has not ever been a part of your life. 
and you need the Lord to just lighten your load and just give you freedom this morning as you take whatever devastated situation you're facing, you're going through, and it's personal and it's individual and it's, it's a, you know what it is. Your burden is not like anybody else's burden, and you know what it is, and you can take that burden and say, God, I'm going to give you this burden, and I'm saying, in faith, God, I want you to set me free and lift this burden from my shoulders this morning. I want to do something really unusual. I have uh, the altars covered. Thank you, Kim, for doing that. The altars covered, and we're going to be very gentle. I want to invite us as a congregation to respond, just as we did in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And, and, and nobody, nobody has to, but I just want to pray, invite you to allow Jesus to be your burden lifter this morning. And whatever it is you're, you want God to lift you up, maybe it's just a black cloud over your head. And you are hungry for the passion of Christ in your heart like you had at one time. Or maybe it's just that there's this revelation that's happened and Christ is foremost in your life and you want the Lord to know that. Or, or maybe it's a, a burden of some other issue that the Lord is speaking to you about and you want to just ask the Lord to take that burden, that heaviness off your shoulders. It is, it is specific to each individual. I don't want to try to say what it is, but I want to invite us to say, Jesus, in faith, Lift my burden. In faith, lift my burden. And so what we're going to do in just a moment, let's stand together. In fact, let's stand. No distractions. I want to invite nobody to begin to move out of the sanctuary at this point. But let's just listen to the Lord today because I want to hear his voice. I want to respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us and and what he's speaking into our lives today as he lifts our burden. And I want to invite you as... As we begin to come and worship, I want to invite you to, to move towards the front and, and think of what that burden is and pick up a brick. These bricks are five pounds, by the way. I didn't know that a brick was five pounds. It's five pounds. And so you'll have to use two hands. And then when you set it on the altar, you're saying to the Lord with both your hands, Lord, take my burden because you're the burden lifter. And symbolically set it in front of the Lord today and set it on the altar and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and feel that weight literally being lifted up off your shoulders as the Holy Spirit speaks to you this morning. The worship team is going to participate as the Holy Spirit leads them. And then I want to invite you just to come as the Holy Spirit leads you and allow this to represent that thing in your life, that something in your life that you know is something you know you want to give to the Lord and ask God to just take this burden off of your shoulders. So let's do that. You don't have to. Just uh, if you're moved and you want to participate, I want to invite you just to come. Allow Jesus to be your burden lifter and allow this brick to represent, you know, to represent that burden. And you can participate or you don't have to. It's whatever we want to allow the Lord to do. But let's just turn to Jesus. Let's say, Jesus, take my burden. Make it light this morning. Set me free. Give me passion, Jesus. It's okay if you have a tear in your eye. It's okay if you respond to the Lord, the Holy Spirit today, and say, Lord, I'm hearing your voice. Lord, help me respond to you, Father. Not to the pastor, but you're responding to the Holy Spirit and saying, Lord, this is my burden. Jesus, make it light. You're praying for that child. You're praying for your own heart. You're praying for your own spirit. Maybe you've just been spiritually dry. You need that passion to rush back into your life like a fresh wind. Renew your faith. Allow Christ to set you free and lift your burden today. He wants to lift your burden. Some of you are carrying some 
some stressful things. Some of you are carrying some stressful things. Some of us, we, we carry our family, which we love to do. It's a joy, but it can be stressful. Some of you, men, you might be carrying the burden of something that you're struggling with. Allow the Lord to just lift that burden off your shoulders, set you free spiritually. Say, Lord, help me with this burden. Lord, set me free today that I might glorify you, trust in you, because Jesus, you're my burden lifter. I'm trusting you, Jesus. I'm trusting you. We come to the Lord. We come to Jesus, who is our burden lifter, and we take that burden, we put it upon him, and he lifts that off our shoulders today. Amen. Praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but I just sense that there's victory in the room today. Amen. And we just want to lift up Christ this morning. Just honor him as he is fighting our battles for us. And we want to just glorify his name as we just gathered here to say, Lord, take this. We trust you with it. We're going to lean upon you, Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you, God, for answered prayer. I thank you, Lord, that Lord, that you've come in, Lord, and you're beginning to, Lord, dwell within space that something else existed. And we're just taking that and we're we're putting it, Lord, in your hands. We're making room for you, Father. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would just come into our heart and our life this morning. And that, Lord, that you would just set that one free. Thank you, Jesus, for lifting our burden. Thank you, God, for helping us with this concern, Lord, that we've brought to you. And, Lord, I just pray that you would just give a sense of joy, victory to that one this morning. As they leave the sanctuary, knowing that they've been in your presence, God, we worship you, God. Thank you, Father, for giving us rest. Thank you, Father, for giving us peace. Thank you, Jesus, for making our burden light. We pray all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen and amen. I think we're one minute over. God bless you. Thanks for coming today. Go and be, your, be lightened in your load and come back and worship next week with us.